Robertson come and share with us. Robbo, as we like to refer to him, has been a friend of this church since its beginning, since it was planted all those years ago. In the last 12 months, he's part of our church board. I invited him on just for his, it's going to sound a bit funny saying this, his wisdom. (laughs) Not funny at all. His stability, just in a new season for us as a church, for for me, it's nearly a year now that I've been the senior pastor and just invited Robbo on to be part of our church board during this new season. And he's been a great asset and a real valuable uh, friend of this church, but also for us personally. It's great that he's here with us today. Um, Senior pastor in Globe Church at Gateshead, soon to be a Hope You See campus in Newcastle, which is an amazing journey in itself as well. It's just a great privilege and honor to have him here with us this morning. So why don't we give him a great welcome as he comes up to share the word this morning. All right, why don't we pray? This will make some sense this morning. Anyone got faith for that? You got more faith than I have. let's Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that your name is... Worthy of all praise. Thank you, Father, for this amazing church and this amazing region. Lord, we live in the best part of the world. And we give you thanks for the privilege we have to live where we live and to be part of what you're doing. Thank you, Father. We pray specifically, let your kingdom come across the Hunter Valley, across this whole region. In Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, you look better than you did when you came in. (laughs) You can take a seat. I just forgot to mention, groundwork is on. So that's year five to youth age. You are on right now. You can go out. Who's going out with them? Pips up the back. So you can go out the back door, year five, year six, early high school. And um, that's on now during the preaching. All right. That's to protect them. So uh, I thought we'd have a chat today. Is that all right? I do count the incredible privilege to be part of this church and um, part of the journey moving forward. Hey, by the way, Jay, I love the way the worship team are just growing and blossoming, just pumping. Give them a clap. They're really, really excited about that. This is such an important part of the way we do life together as a church. It's really important that we celebrate and worship together. Can I just give you a little word of encouragement? When you come, don't choose the back seat. Choose the front seat. This is where the glory of God is. It rests in this. And look, you know, um, you know, we, I just give you permission to ignore the reserve seat signs. Just come and sit at the front. Take over. You know, it's like, just go... <laughs> it really, it's really important that we, that we engage and um, if you've ever had to lead worship, um, you would know why it's so important. It's just we love it when people are, you know, collecting close together and we want to fill the place from the front to the back and uh, uh, I'm a volunteer so I'm coming to the free movie next week. <coughs> <laughs> Um, 
Who saw the supercar as an opportunity to leave town? I did. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, so there's this um, tornado, you know, hits this farmhouse in um, Brankston and, uh, and it just massive tornado hits this farmhouse in Brankston, lifts the whole sort of old weatherboard cottage up and dumps it right in the middle of Pecolban. And this couple that were there lying asleep in their bed, you know, they're sort of oblivious to what's going on and suddenly, you know, they find themselves in this whirlwind and then suddenly they're dumped in the middle of Hunter Valley wine region and, and you know, they're just shocked but they're alive and safe and, and you know, in the middle of it, you know, the, she starts to cry. She just, I don't know what's going on. And, and he goes, Susan, there's no, no need to be upset. You know, we're safe and, and we're okay. And she goes, no, no, it's just that this is the first time we've been out together in 15 years. <laughs> Today I want to talk to you about storms. And we're going to read from Acts 27. If you've got a Bible, you can turn with me. Some of it will come up on the screen. It could be any version you like. But anyway, here we go. I think reading from early on in the chapter. I want to talk to you about storms today. Not that any of you will have faced any storms at all or any challenges, no tornadoes. Some of you may have never never lived in Brankston. But uh, this is what Paul went through in Acts 27. When it was decided that we would sail for Italy, the, uh, the Jewish, the, sorry, the Roman leaders proceeded to deliver Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. The next day we put in at Sidon and Julius treated Paul with consideration and allowed him to go to his friends and receive care. From there we put out to sea and sailed under the shelter of Cyprus because the winds were contrary. When we sailed through the sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia, which, you know, probably means not a lot to you necessarily. But I want to just highlight the fact that this is a profound truth, but Acts chapter 27 follows Acts chapter 26. And Acts chapter 26 follows Acts 25, and 25 and 26 talk about the journey that Paul had in terms of going to Jerusalem, being arrested, and then put in prison with the Romans in Caesarea. And the Jews wanted to kill Paul. Actually, everybody wanted to kill Paul. But Paul, the Jews particularly wanted to kill him because he was a renegade Jew. He was a Pharisee who discovered the resurrection in reality. See, the Pharisees had a belief about resurrection, Paul had an experience of it. There's a big difference. And so Paul, in, this is very bizarre, for a Pharisee to actually appeal to Caesar. Now, bear in mind, the Jews were conquered by Caesar. So the Jews absolutely had this utter hatred of the Roman occupation. And so the Romans, you know, you could sort of phrase it like this, what have the Romans ever done for us? But that's not really the point. The point of that situation was that, that Rome and, and Jewish heritage were violently at odds with each other. And Paul grew up as one of those people. But something had so transformed him that he places himself under the allegiance 
of a different leadership, if you like. He actually, to protect himself from the Jews, he placed himself under the allegiance of the Romans. Wow. And so he appeals to Caesar. Why was that? Well, one of the reasons why was Paul was determined to get to Rome. He knew that God had called him to go to Rome. He knew that he was going to Rome. Jesus had appeared to him and said to him, you will testify for me in Rome. And so Paul has this amazing experience. He's going through storm after storm and then he gets on a boat. And let's... um, Let's, let's continue this, this thought. So Paul then, let, it goes on, uh, verses 7 to 12. Let's have a look at that. It says, when, when, he had, when we had sailed slowly for a good many days and with difficulty, everyone say difficulty. Difficulty is part of the journey. Sorry, I, I hate to disillusion you. I, when I became a Christian, somebody promised me, you know, if you become a Christian, all your problems will be over. They lied through their teeth. How many of you found Christianity to be easier? Hello, anybody? It's much harder. When I was a total heathen, I could do whatever I wanted. It was fantastic. (laughs) When you become a Christian, all of a sudden you've got to just conform to all these things God wants from you and then all the Christians want from you. My goodness. And sometimes those things are diametrically opposed, but let's not talk about that. Okay, so, <laughs> so you have this dilemma of, you know, you know I'm, I'm, you got, I thought when I'd become a Christian, all my problems would be over. He goes, oh, no, boy, have I got some problems for you. <clears throat> so Paul is learning on the job. <laughs> In the early days, it, like in Acts 16, Paul gets arrested in Philippi. And he, he, it's a quite an interesting story because, you know, he, he gets beaten to a pulp. Him and Silas get beaten to a pulp and then they get put in prison and, and, and in the inner dungeon they get chained up and there they are singing hymns. And I'm just, I always read that and I just think, he is insane. And at the end of that, you know, the Philippian jail, you know the story, they have an earthquake, you know, God's tapping along with the music and so there's this earthquake and, and they get freed in the jail and then in the middle of the darkness of the jail, Paul calls out to the Philippian jailer and says, don't harm yourself. Couldn't see him. It was a word of knowledge. He has this miraculous word of knowledge. He says, don't harm yourself. We are all still here. All the prisoners stayed. Figure that out. Um, and... In the middle of that, the Apostle Paul had allowed himself to be beaten even though he's a Roman citizen. Under the law of Rome, he could not be beaten without being first proven to be guilty. So Paul lets himself be beaten and when they go to release him, he says, no, I'm a Roman citizen. All of the ruling authorities have to come and apologize to me. And I'm thinking, Paul, here's some wisdom. Why not say that before they beat you? (laughs) Well, by this stage later in the book of Acts, he's figured that out. (laughs) If you read Corinthians, 
He was beaten five times like that. Five times within an inch of his life. It's a very amazing story. But Paul is growing all the time in wisdom. So he learns to use his Roman citizenship much better the second time around, or third or fourth or fifth time. <clears throat> so there's difficulty. I'm sorry to tell you that. I, I would love to tell you the Christian life is easier. It's not. It's, there's difficulty. Is this okay? They'd arrived off Nida since the, world, the, the wind did not permit us to go further. We sailed under the shelter of Crete off Salmoni and with difficulty sailing past it, we came to a place called Fair Havens. Everyone say Fair Havens. Now, Fair Havens sounds nice, doesn't it? Sounds like a camping trip at the entrance. When considerable time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous since even the fast was already over, Paul began to admonish them and, and said to them, Men, I perceive... Look, what is it about men and guidance, by the way? <laughs> None of them stopped to ask for guidance in this moment. There was no women on board this ship. So they, they obviously had very few words to say to each other and very little guidance. <clears throat> None of them knew how to use a map. So they were just kind of winging it. And Paul began to admonish him, saying, Men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage, with great loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. But the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. Because the harbour was not convenient or suitable for wintering, the majority, the majority reached a decision. Can I say this? Here's a thought. Sometimes the majority are just stupid. I just had a thought to share, share with you. <laughs> the majority reached a decision to put out to sea from there if somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbour of Crete facing southwest and spend the, the winter there. You know, this is a really awkward moment for Paul. Look along your row and ask yourself, am I the wisest person in this row? Put up your hand if you know already that you pretty much are. You are the wisest person in your row. Right. I just, I find, I find it uncanny that the wisest person in terms of navigating this boat and looking after the cargo and looking after all the people on the boat was a prisoner who wasn't a yachtsman, wasn't a centurion, wasn't a captain, wasn't, he just had, but he had divine wisdom. And sometimes you can feel like that. Sometimes you can have wisdom in advance. You can see certain things coming. How many of you are parents? How many of you have ever watched your kid and you say to them, if you do that, this will happen? And what do they do? If you fall off that cliff, don't come complaining to me. <laughs> God is the divine parent. And he must watch us sometimes and go, what the? <laughs> because seriously, Paul has all this with He says, listen. 
I know you've got a ship's captain. I know you've got a centurion. I know you've got a, a, a schedule to keep. But I'm just forewarning you that if you carry on this path, this will be the outcome. There was this uh, university professor and, and he was in a board meeting one day and suddenly an angel appeared in the board meeting. And the angel said, Professor, you've really impressed us in heaven and we've decided to grant you one of three things. You can ask for one of these three things. You can ask for money or wisdom or fame. And so the professor was, was just awestruck and he, he immediately responded and said, well, I shall certainly be asking for wisdom. And instantly he had complete wisdom, more than anybody had ever had wisdom except Solomon. And he, he suddenly filled with wisdom. And all the other professors in the room were awestruck. They go, man, what is it? What is it like to be so wise? And he immediately said, I should have chosen the money. <laughs> Wisdom has the problem that it foresees certain things, but it doesn't mean that the world is going to respond to it. So we've just been through a journey where our, our political programs have decided that our country will be better off to legalise same-sex marriage. Let me comment on that. Because I'm, you know, I'm not the senior party, so I can run a monk. <laughs> See, if it was just about same-sex marriage, I don't think most church leaders would actually have a huge problem, really. It's not really about that. The reason why church leaders, and as a movement, we have stood against this is not about same-sex marriage predominantly. It's actually about the rights of children, the rights of freedom of conscience, the rights of freedom of religion, the rights of marriage to stay defined as what it, what it has traditionally been, the rights of, of, to protect society from the outcomes of other things. Now, I could go for hours and hours about this because I've been on this journey for nearly 10 years because we've seen it coming. But just because we have wisdom doesn't mean that we necessarily get the outcome that we want. You know, I think sometimes our society echoes the words of Paul Kelly. I get all your good advice. It doesn't stop me from going through these things twice. I see the knives out. I turn my back. I hear the train coming. I stay right on the track. In the middle, in the middle, in the middle of a dream. I lost my shirt. I pawned my rings. I've done all the dumb things. That's what we're like. We are, we are living in that world. This, this nation is determined to do a whole lot of dumb things. We, we, we basically... Think we can mess with marriage, mess with the nuclear family, and, and it'll have no impact. It's a fraud. So what does that mean? Well, it means that we're in the middle of a storm of stupidity. Was the storm avoidable? Yes. But we didn't avoid it. So guess what? Having foreseen it, we're going to go through it. And let me say this to you. Paul had a promise from God, he was going to Rome. So it didn't matter what happened to the ship. The ship 
was expendable. The cargo was expendable. But his calling was not expendable. And why am I telling you that? Because some of you right now are in the middle of a storm. Let me talk about the sort of storms you're in. Storms over your financial well-being. You think, well, God's not providing. God's not coming through. I don't know what's going on. I, I, you know, I, I, I feel like I've been faithful. I feel like I'm tithing. I feel like I'm doing all these things. And I just don't know what's happening financially. Let me speak to you for a second. You are not yet where you are going to end up. And I encourage you to stay on the ship. Stay, just sail through the storm. You're going to keep going. There are some of you who have storms in your health. You know, I felt to share this message. I've never shared this message before. I just felt like I should, should pick up on this thread. There is, there is a storm over your health. But I want to remind you that your life is completely secure in the hand of God and not one day short of His destined purpose will your life be. So you are not to be anxious about the future in any way. You're not to take any anxious thought. Instead, you let the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. This is okay because you, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. His intention is to complete the work He began in you. He's not finished. And he's not worried about the storm. In one moment, he can speak to a storm and end it. But he often chooses to take the, the leaders through the storm. He, he chooses to take you through the journey. I know a little bit about storms. This week, tomorrow, on my day off, I'm going to be sitting with our lawyers talking about two different court cases that are running at once. I've never been to court in my life. Oh, except for my dog. My dog should have been going to court, but I went for her. Um, I've never been to court in my life, but here I am. We're at the Supreme Court contending with our insurer who failed to pay for all the damage done through a storm to our building. Our building is... Our old building is completely unusable and has to be demolished. It's probably a one and a half to two million dollar claim. But our insurer basically has refused to pay. So we've had to take legal action against our own insurer. Meanwhile, my neighbour next door to our church has decided to sue us for being too noisy. You can't have those Christians too noisy. Well, guess what? We're going to praise. and We're not going to be apologetic about it. Yes, we will be sensitive as much as we can to our neighbours, but the reality is that we are going to praise. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus because that's what we're called to do. We're not going to apologise for that. Those storms don't make me feel like God left me or deserted me. They just make me feel that I'm, I'm going through something and I will come through. He will complete the work he's begun in me and he will complete this to his satisfaction and the outcome will be amazing. It's not my problem. <laughs> What are you worried about? God's intention in the storm was for Paul to go through to the other side. Let's read on. I wrote this little note to myself. The wisdom Paul shared with the leadership group organising this journey was ignored. 
And yet Paul seems to be the only one with confident expectation of safe arrival no matter what decisions are being made around him. Can I just say that to you? You are never a victim of the dumb decisions of other people. Because God's intention is to bring you through with grace, with favour, with confident success, with wisdom, with growth, with maturity, with a secure identity. He is building you. And he's more interested in you than what the outcome is. He's not worried about the cargo on the ship. Because guess what? Let me read this to you. Before very long, there rushed down from the land a violent wind called Uroquillo. And when the ship was caught in it and could not face the wind, listen to this, we gave way to it. We let ourselves be driven along. You know, if as a uh, junior lifesaver, we were taught that if somebody got caught in a rip... It wasn't our job to swim out and get them to swim against the rip. Our job was to do what? what? Anyone know? You have to go, you have to use the momentum of the rip, but go across it. It's like a, a, a sailing boat actually uses the wind to get across the power of the wind. We use the rip to take them out of the rip, actually. But you don't fight against it. Neither do you just go with the flow. Church, let's not apologize for the fact that we're not just going with the flow. We're not just going to subside to every whim and every expectation the world has about how the church ought to be. It's amazing to me how many of my atheist friends have an opinion on how I ought to live and how I ought to believe and what I ought to be allowed to speak about. And, and they get very cranky with me when I dare to say what I actually believe. But you see, I decided a long time ago that my identity is secured in who Jesus is, not in what someone's opinion about me is. My identity is not tied up in that. I don't care what the storm is around me. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people think. I decided that Jesus' opinion matters more to me than my own opinion even. If you're going to wait for everybody to agree with you and if you're going to wait to be popular, I'm sorry, you, you, you're in the wrong church. We're not the Uniting Church, sorry. <laughs> we can edit that out later. <clears throat> Look at what happens here. Running under the shelter of a small island called Clauda, we were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. After they hoisted up, they used supporting cables undergirding the ship, fearing they might run aground on the shallows of Sirtis. They let down the sea anchor and let themselves be driven along. The next day, as we were being violently storm-tossed, they began to jettison the cargo. Storms sometimes will divest us of the things we don't really need. God's intention for us is to become lean and mean. Not mean in the wrong sense of the word, but... There's a spiritual fitness that God uses storms to shape in us that he could not shape in us any other way. Let me say this to you. If you are in a storm, it's because God considers you worthy of the storm. Yeah, that deserves more applause than you just gave me. Come on, it's like it's God... God is, 
Let me, let me draw this to a conclusion. I love the way that Paul resolves this. In the middle of the storm, 14 days, they run with the storm because they get caught in the middle of it. And so they just run right in the middle of the storm. <laughs> they keep going. Anyone ever been in a cyclone? I took my whole family to Lindemann Island. Um, you know, I, go on, come on holidays, I said. It'll be great, I said. <laughs> we'll have fun, I said. We'll be all together, I said. <laughs> and we were. Because when the cyclone hit Lindemann Island, <laughs> we were all together for about 55 hours locked in one room. <laughs> and I have a big family. And they're not pleasant for most of the time. But uh, particularly when they're living on, on uh, dry sandwiches and bottled water for that length of time. And there's no television, no internet, no... <laughs> yeah. But I was glad at that point of the foundations of the building. The building was hit with a 220 kilometre an hour wind. And... Uh, being in the eye of that storm, you suddenly realise that right in the centre of the storm, there's this incredible place of peace and quiet. And you could think if you were unwise, oh, let's go outside. The point of the storm is that whatever, is can, whatever can be tested, whatever can be shaken, will be. And what remains is what is secure. The Apostle Paul understood the incredible power of the security of the name of Jesus. He comes out after 14 days and he says to everybody on board that ship, 276 people, he says to them, guys, you have not eaten or drunk but this night an angel of the God I serve has appeared to me and he has promised me these things. We will be shipwrecked. We will lose the ship. So far, not that encouraging really. However, God has promised to me the lives of all of you because I have to go to Rome. <laughs> I have to go to Rome. So guess what? All of you are going to be saved because I have to go to Rome. I don't know if you've ever been on an airplane where you kind of go, you know, you sit next to someone and they're freaking out. You know, this happens to me quite a lot. So, I, you know, occasionally I'd, I'd sort of reach across and grab their hand and say, listen, this plane cannot crash. I go, really? How do you know that? Because I'm on it. I go, you're very arrogant. Yeah. yeah, I am. But that's not the point. The point is that God and me are going to this destination because I've got something to do and the plane cannot crash. Otherwise, why did he put me on it? Your plane can't crash. In the middle of this, the most bizarre thing is that in the middle of this storm, the Apostle Paul arrives on an island called Malta. He gets bitten by a snake. He doesn't die. So then that gives him the opportunity to preach to the whole community. He then heals the sick and uh, transforms the community. Today there is a church in Malta, 2,000 years later, still in existence, 
because of that storm. And I want you to understand that even in a diversionary tactic of the enemy, you're going where you're meant to go. Why don't we stand together? You know, our time is gone. And I just want to say this. I'm going to, I, I haven't got a long time today because I have to go to the pub, um, actually. <laughs> no, I really do, actually. I've got a cricket reunion from a bunch of heathen that I played cricket with in Sydney. <clears throat> and um, we're going to talk about how good we really were uh, <laughs> and inflate that quite a lot. But I do want to open the altar this morning for any person who's in the middle of a significant storm. I will pray for you quickly if you, if you don't muck around. Just come. If, if it's you, come as soon as we close the service, I want you to come and, and, and be here ready to pray. And, you know, I just know that God uh, wants to speak and to encourage. And I'm going to ask um, our, our normal pastoral prayer people to come and stand with me. But let me, let me just, I just want you to close your eyes for one second. If you're in the middle of a storm right now and you know that it's significant, I'm not just talking about, you know, somebody said something mean to you. I was saying there's a real storm going on. Across this room, this message was for you. This church has been through a major storm as well. And we are coming through with incredible victory, not just financially, but in every way. We are, we are on track. We are moving forward. And I'm incredibly excited about the future because let me say this to you, this region is one of the most strategic and crucial regions in the whole nation and we have to be here. We have to be growing. We have to be having incredible influence. So I'm just grateful for the Lot family. I'm grateful for what God is establishing here. I'm grateful for all the Athertons have sown here over the years and I know the best is yet to come. If you're in the middle of a storm right now, I just want you to raise your hand across this room, all across this room. You're going, there's a storm going on. Wow. Okay. If you would like to come at the end, please come, and I will endeavor to quickly pray for all of you that have raised your hand. Put your hands down for one more second. One more important thing. You know, you can have storms in your life and not even know why they're happening. You can do life actually distant from God. You can do life distant from the purpose of God. You can feel like God is not involved. It's just chaos in your life. And if this morning you're here saying, well, I don't really even know where I stand with God anymore. I don't know whether I'm a Christian or not. I don't know what I believe. I don't know yet whether I've ever given my life to Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says that we must be born again. We have to have a new beginning. That's the beauty of salvation, that when we come to Christ, we discover His love for us once and for all. So if today you're saying, I w- either I want to come back to God or for the, I want to surrender my life for the very first time across this room, you've got privacy. No one's looking around. But you're saying yes to God. You're saying, God, here I am. Please accept me. Please bring me into your kingdom. Across this room, I want you to raise your hand as well. Right now, as I just looking around. Across this room, you're saying yes to God. Yeah, it's great. Just take one more moment. If that's you, just raise your hand. Let me see it. Beautiful. 
All right, we're going to pray a prayer of dedication right now, all together. I'm going to hand back Pastor Michael. Dear Lord Jesus, I want you to pray this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you carry me through every storm. I thank you that your intention is for me to have victory. I thank you that you promised to bring me through. I thank you that I'm safe in your hand. I thank you in advance for the outcomes. I thank you for wisdom. I pray for more wisdom. I pray for your salvation, your clear thinking, and your courage and faith in my life. And I give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to hand back now. At the close of the service, if you would like prayer, just come in and uh, hang out with me here, and uh, we'll pray quickly for each person. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Robbo. It was good, wasn't it?